Hello and welcome to Capital Yards, the podcast. My name's Sean Costello and this is a special Christmas edition of the podcast. For those new to it, uh, Capital Yarns are stories inspired by three items nominated by you, listeners, listeners like you, uh, via social media and email, which are then weaved into a short story written by me, set in Canberra. And it is a special Christmas edition. Um, three items that may not initially say Christmas, but um, end up inspiring me to write a bit of a Christmas tale set in Canberra. And those three items uh, nominated at the noted uh, fair last year, noted um, Writers Festival Fair, uh, were Susan Boyle's CD, a water tank, and a 10,000-piece puzzle. And I set out to sort of write one of those stories that can be most challenging of all to do, which is something that might appeal to both uh, smaller children, older children, and grown-ups alike. Um, and also wanted to explore a sort of less, I suppose, less known, less seen part of the nation's capital, which is uh, those people that may do a little bit tough at Christmas time and, and sort of shine a bit of a light on the fantastic organisations that help uh, those that might need a bit of a helping hand at Christmas out a bit more. The story that emerged probably isn't suitable uh, for younger children. Um, I market tested as I always do on my own kids, and I think probably um, twelve and up would be would be ideal. Maybe maybe your more advanced 10, 11 year olds, but uh, probably from that age up would appreciate it most of all. Uh, and then adults, hopefully as well, older children, and adults as well will appreciate the story and and, um, and some of the the Christmas themes it's trying to explore. I'll talk a little bit more at the end of the show about the organisations mentioned, but in the meantime, here it is, read again wonderfully by my wife Melanie Skinner. It's called a Susan Boyle Christmas Carol. It was the Christmas period Tracy would always remember most vividly. The most distinct memory was watching her mother from the back seat of the family car. Her green eyes flicked up to the rearview mirror and smiled. We're going to be okay, Trace. I promise. It was difficult to hear her over the many competing sounds in the car. The heavy rain falling on the car roof, the windscreen wipers furiously swishing, and the loud music blaring through the speakers. Tracy nodded and tried to smile back. Noticing the interaction, her brother leaned over so that his face was close to hers, smiling broadly to reveal gaps and new teeth in various states of growth. His eyes, emerald green like those of his mother and sister, were wild with intensity. It will be okay, Trace, he mocked. Gross, get off me, Kevin! she shouted, pushing her brother back. Her mother turned the music down and glanced back at them before her eyes returned to the road ahead. Knock it off, you two, otherwise no more music, she replied. Tracy sighed. He started it. A flash of lightning lit up the dark road in front of them. With the music volume reduced, Tracy could now hear the sounds of thunder in the distance. The radio crackled in unison. I'm sick of listening to the radio, Kevin said, a slight whine to his voice. Julie, can we get Spotify for Christmas? Mum didn't reply at first. Her eyes remained fixed on the road. She tucked a strand of strawberry red hair behind her ear as she spoke at last. I've asked before if you can please not call me that. 
I'm your mum, remember? She tried to smile, winking at him in the rearview mirror. Kevin had gone through a phase of calling his mother by her first name, with the same inflection their father used. It had started out as a dumb joke, but now it gave Tracy the creeps. As though this woman in the front seat was just another female, not the person who gave birth to them both. It might need to be a smaller Christmas this year, Kevin, Mum continued. What does that mean? he replied. Again, it took their mother a moment to answer. Just smaller, less presents, less food, she trailed off. Will Dad be there? Trace asked. She wasn't sure what answer she was hoping for. No, her mother replied firmly. Can we at least have a tree? Kevin asked. Maybe, I'm not sure, but perhaps a small one. I don't think the new place will fit the sort of tree we had last year. Then where will Santa put our presents? Kevin asked, confusion on his face. Tracy stared at him, exasperated with his lack of empathy for their mother. She spoke without thinking, lashing out, wanting him to understand all that had changed. Santa isn't real, dummy. He winced as she said it, and she immediately felt guilty. Kevin turned away from her and stared out the window. His dark hair, jet black like Tracy's, fell over his eyes. She wondered if he could see anything outside through it, then realised perhaps it was there to hide the tears. I knew that. I, I just want some presents, he said quietly at last. In the front seat, Mum nodded. I'll make sure you have some presents, she said. Tracy wondered how much Mum had heard about Santa. Hours later, Tracy stirred in bed, unable to sleep. This new, smaller room felt cramped and alien. Her brother's snores filled the room, as did the squeaking noises the air mattress made each time he rolled over. Fed up, she quietly rolled out of bed and tiptoed out into the lounge room of the townhouse. Initially blinded by the light, she at last made out her mother's shape, sitting at the dining table, hunched over their old notebook computer. Over her mother's shoulder, all Tracy could make out was a sea of numbers on the screen. As she moved closer, her mother clicked on an email message. She stared at it for a moment before putting her head in her hands and beginning to sob. Tracy knew her mother would be angry that she was up, but as anguish filled her body, she was compelled to put out a hand and gently pat her shoulder. Her mother looked up in shock, tears running down her cheeks. Tracy expected her to start yelling, but instead she wrapped her arms around her. Most surprisingly as she buried her face into Tracy's arm. Her mother began to laugh. I've done something really dumb, Trace, she said, almost giggling. Tracy's stomach churned. What? she asked. Her mother pulled away from her for a moment, her face still red and wet, but now wearing a smile also. 
For the first time, Tracy noticed the wrinkles around her mother's eyes, accentuated by her squinting to hold back more tears. I've bought a Christmas tree. They stared at each other before both simultaneously breaking into fits of laughter. It filled the room, echoing around the walls. Shh! Mum began trying to speak through the giggles. You'll wake your brother! It felt good to see Mum laugh, to laugh with her. Why were you crying about buying a Christmas tree? Tracy asked, trying to stifle her giggles. Her mother sighed. (sighs) Because we can't afford it, kiddo. I should have done my maths before I did. Turns out we might have a Christmas tree on Christmas Day, but no lights will be lit up on it. Tracy stared at her, confused. We won't have any power, her mother continued. I only realised after I ordered the tree on eBay that we were so far behind on the power bill. We just can't pay it. Tracy considered this information for a moment. Candles could be fun on Christmas Day, her mother nodded. They sure will. We can't cook anything. But we can work that out later. It will be a hot day. Maybe we could have a picnic. Tracy recalled a documentary she had seen at school on deserts and a sudden terrifying thought occurred to her. Will we have water? Her mother smiled and nodded. Yes, even your mother can't stuff that up. This house has a rainwater tank. So if nothing else, we can drink as much water as we like. The tree's arrival a few days later on Christmas Eve ultimately became one of Tracy's favourite Christmas memories, at least for those Christmases they spent in the cramped townhouse. In the rush to leave their old house, Mum had grabbed a number of random boxes and they discovered one of them held their Christmas ornaments. As was customary, after dragging the box containing the trees and the ornaments into the lounge room, Their mother put on her favourite Christmas CD. Suzanne Boyle! Again! Really? exclaimed Kevin. It's fitting this year, Mum replied smiling. It's called Home for Christmas. And that's what we are. This isn't our home. Kevin began, but Tracy nudged him in the side before he could continue. She glared at him angrily. He stared back, innocently shrugging his shoulders. Mum was swaying and singing to jingle bells and seemed not to hear him. Kevin discovered a plastic ornament he had made. It featured the three of them, as well as a tall man with dark hair. Is it okay if this goes on the tree? Mum took the ornament from him and stared at it for a long time. That's our family, Kevin. Or at least it was, Mum said at last. Of course you can put it on the tree. Once the tree was dressed, Mum plugged in the lights and they all stood back ready to admire the lit up tree. Ready? She said, smiling. Both children nodded. She pressed the button and the lights on the tree lit up with dizzying effect. A second later, they flicked out again, 
Mum played with the switch in her hand. Oh, these cheap lights, she began. Tracy touched her arm and pointed upwards. The lights above us are off too. The reality slowly dawned on Mum as she looked around the room, noting that every electrical appliance was now off. Oh no, they've turned the power off early. What's going on? Kevin asked, confused. Who has turned the power off? Honey, how do you like the sound of a candlelit dinner? Mum asked, putting her arm around him. Later in bed, after the family had spent most of the evening finding and lighting candles, Tracy lay in bed awake. She realised she couldn't hear her brother snoring. Before she could roll over to check on him, he spoke. Hey, Trace, you awake? he whispered. Yeah. She glanced over to see he was staring up at the ceiling. Is it okay if I still believe in Santa Claus? Tracy recalled some of the guilt from their conversation in the car and felt a pang of relief. Of course it is. I'm sorry what I said. I don't know if he's real or not. Kevin kept staring upwards. What are you going to ask him for? Tracy prompted. Kevin didn't reply. At last, the silence defeated Tracy and she felt compelled to speak again. I lied in the car, Kevin. I do believe in Santa. I'm hoping he'll bring me a big, difficult puzzle we can all do together on Christmas Day. One of those 10,000-piece ones of famous places we can imagine travelling to, like like Rome or, or even Greece. Immediately after she uttered her words, Tracy heard a faint ringing sound, like that of bells chiming. Before she can consider the sound further or locate the source, Kevin replied, I'm hoping Santa will bring Dad back to live with us. But if that's not possible, then a cricket set would be so cool. Tracy again heard the same chiming noise. She focused on the sound, trying to identify the source. It sounded as though it had travelled to her from a great distance. She fell asleep, still considering that sound. The source was indeed many thousands of kilometres away, in a much colder place. It emanated from a large metal machine, shaped a little like a top-loading washing machine. However, there was no hole on the top for clothes, and the control panel had far more dials and levers than a normal washing machine. As the sound rang out, a small hand reached for one of the levers and pulled it downwards. A microphone appeared from the top of the machine, and a ringing sound started coming from the machine. After sounding three times, the noise ceased and a gruff voice came from a speaker at the left-hand side of the console. White Rider here. Over. White Rider, it's Bushy here. We've just had two late requests from Canberra on the east coast of Australia. Over. Static white noise came from the machine until the voice returned. I've just finished sprinkling New Zealand for the fourth time. 
Parents are getting so cynical, bushy. In the old days, one sprinkle of our special dust and parents would immediately be compelled to purchase whatever their children had asked me for. Now I have to go back again and again. Over. Bushy nodded. Rudolph has found a new dust mine. I'm confident next year we will have more concentrated formula. Over. I hope so. I just can't go back to the old days of travelling around the world on Christmas Eve. Too many children, too many presents, too many trees. At least now I can see parents rushing out to buy presents. They actually look like they're enjoying themselves, finally letting go of all that pre-Christmas stress and starting to appreciate the spirit of giving. They're lucky the shops are open late now. Back in the old days, parents that left it this late would have had to have built their own toys. Over. Any chance you could squeeze in one last family? Over. I was about to head to Australia. I can probably squeeze in one more. Can you send me their details? I assume we aren't talking borderline noughties here. Over. They've actually had a tough time of it, Bushy continued. The older sister doubted your existence and nearly ruined Christmas for her younger brother. Yet, she felt guilty about it and restored his belief in you. That's why they were registered so late. Over. Give me the GPS coordinates and I'll make sure I dust their mum. Once I do that, she'll feel compelled to go and buy whatever they want. Over. After another pause of static crackling, the gruff voice returned. Actually, I can see how tough it is for this family at the moment. They need some excitement this Christmas. I'll organise a delivery. Back in Australia, Tracy was briefly stirred from her dreams by the sound of a knock at their front door. She was so tired, however, that she rolled over and fell asleep. So she didn't hear the second knock and her mother mumbling to herself as she begrudgingly put down her book and picked up a candle. Leaving the chain on the door, she opened it a crack before peeking out. Can I help you? she asked. Hi, Mrs Anderson. She looked sceptically out at the man standing on the doorway. Um, yes, well, actually, it used to be. I'm going back to Miss Ms. Rose. Sensing her doubts, the man thrust a present towards her through the open crack in the door. I'm from the Smith family. I'm so sorry for the delay, but I've got presents for your children. A girl and a, a boy, yeah? Someone bringing presents on Christmas Eve? We didn't order any presents. The man smiled nervously. It doesn't always work that way, his voice trailed away. So how does it work? Someone tells you we need presents? The man looked more nervous and stared down at a clipboard in his hand. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but would you like the presents? He again thrust the box towards her. Julie reluctantly squeezed it through the gap. She examined it. As she shook it, a rustling sound emerged. Might be a puzzle, the man offered. Still looking sceptical, Julie accepted a second present from him. 
She examined the larger one. Wow, this one looks big. The man nodded. Yep, that's suitable for any child, but we've suggested it for your son. Just seems like a good fit. Julie made eye contact with the man through the crack in the doorway. This really is very generous. I don't know what to say. I had very small gifts planned for the children. I would be so excited to receive extras. Say they're from Santa, the man replied. Oh, if they're not too old for that. My kids still get so excited about receiving something from Santa each year. Julie smiled, at last relaxing and feeling blessed by the unexpected gifts. Maybe Santa will bring something for me too. What would you ask for? the man said. Julie answered immediately. All I want for Christmas is some electricity, she replied. She may not have heard it, but a faint chiming noise sounded, as if from a great distance away. Hours later, Tracy slowly opened her eyes, aware of the bright sunshine streaming through her window. She peered out of the crack in the curtains at the freshly washed garden, still wet from the rain, but now gleaming in the sunshine. It took her a moment to remember what day it was. Christmas! she squealed. She rushed into the living room, aware that Kevin was close behind her. She didn't know why, but she wasn't surprised to see two new presents under the tree. From a distance, she could read the cards on the front. One was made out to her, the other to Kevin. Both were signed Santa. As she and Kevin began to tear the paper from their respective presents, Mum sleepily stumbled into the room and sat down. A cricket set! exclaimed Kevin. Just what I wanted! Tracy glanced at Kevin, a knot of excitement in her stomach. As she moved the paper away from her own present, the numbers and letters of the box became apparent. Wow, a 10,000-piece puzzle of the Eiffel Tower, Trace. Just what you wanted. Tracy smiled weakly and glanced towards her mother. Don't look at me, sweetie. Those presents arrived unexpectedly last night. Before Tracy could begin to comprehend what her mother was saying, Kevin leapt up again, still full of nervous excitement. We need to turn the tree lights on, Mum sighed. No point, darling, the the power. But before she could finish, Kevin had reached the switch and to their surprise, the tree burst into light. Mum stood up and flipped the main switch. The room was immediately bathed in light. She then tried the oven to discover it too turned on. I don't understand, Mum began. The power company cut us off. Looks like we all got what we wanted from Santa, Kevin exclaimed. That was the Christmas that Tracy would always remember most of all. Unwrapping presents in the lounge room, eating chicken in the park and the dreams she had the night before. Thank you, Melanie, for fantastic reading of the story. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I mentioned just at the outset that uh, it tries to 
um, shine a bit of a light on those organisations that help the less fortunate out this Christmas, uh, and the Smith family in particular was named. If you just Google Smith Family Appeal, you'll find out some great information about the wonderful service they do, including delivering presents to children, as occurred in the story, and how you can also donate uh, presents to the Smith family. I'll have in the show notes some other of the wonderful non-government organisations uh, that, that do great work this Christmas. People like uh, the Pilgrim House Breakfast Service will be serving uh breakfast to those less fortunate throughout the festive season thank you to Hashimoto for again supplying the theme song throughout this year this is the final uh, capital yarns for the year I'm taking a little bit of time off from work next year so you might be hearing a little bit more of me to focus amongst other things on writing and podcasting so um, I, I no doubt you'll be hearing more from me in the new year I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you to Peter and Melanie for bringing the stories to life this year. Thank you to you for listening to them and all the feedback I received during the year. And I look forward to speaking to you again in, in 2018. Until then, have a safe and fun festive period. Bye for now.